Good morning, church. Good morning, Scarlett. This morning we're reading from Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 1 to 13, the Transfiguration. If you have a blue Bible, it's on page 480. If you have your Bible, go to Matthew. Matthew 17, verse 1 to 13. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they were lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. beautiful morning and a beautiful time to be here together and to listen the word of god and what he has prepared he has prepared for all of us this morning my prayer is that at the end of this uh, meditation at the end of this uh time together in the word of god we are going to know a little bit more jesus we are going to love him a little bit more we want to we will be able to listen to him and to obey him and to follow him wherever he wants us to go let's pray lord we pray lord that as we open your word that you gave us lord for our edification our correction and that you gave it lord so then we can understand the way of salvation we pray that your spirit will be bringing these things to our eyes and we will reveal, Lord, the things that you left for us in your scripture. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The transfiguration of Jesus is one of the most important events in the ministry of Jesus. This event took place during difficult circumstances in the life of Jesus and in the life of the disciples. 
in Matthew, in Matthew 16, a chapter before, chapter 17, we find Peter's confession when he called Jesus the Messiah, the Son of the living God, acknowledging that he is, he is the divine Messiah promised by God in the Old Testament, one who would come to save the world. So right after this confession, Jesus tells his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and to suffer. So if we go and read Matthew chapter 16, verse 28, we, we read, Truly I say to you, I'm sorry, chapter 16, verse 21, we read, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now, these cause a lot of grief in the disciples. These cause a lot of sadness in the disciples. Can you imagine Jesus telling them, I'm going to die? And the disciples were like, wait a minute. What? No, you are the Messiah. We just said that you are the Messiah, the, the Son of God. But uh, Jesus was telling them, yes. The Messiah, the Son of God, will be dying in the hands of the leaders. But the disciples, they cannot connect these two things. They cannot, they cannot put these things together that the Messiah, the Son of God, will be dying on a cross. And to, get, to, to, to do these things a little bit more complicated, later... After the confession of Peter and after telling them that Jesus was going to suffer and die, Jesus gave them another news. And he says, truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So, now if... Before this, the disciples were confused, now more so. And not only the disciples. Every time I read this passage, the same thing also used to happen to me. What is Jesus talking about here? What is Jesus trying to tell to his disciples when he was telling them, some of you will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom? It's a big question. And some liberal scholars, some of those who don't, do not believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, use this passage to say, well, you see, this was not fulfilled. This this saying of Jesus was not fulfilled because 
most of all of his disciples die and they never saw Jesus coming in his kingdom. But let me tell you something. Jesus, Jesus was not talking about his second coming here. Jesus is not referring here to his second coming. He was talking about important events that the disciples were going to see, that the disciples were going to witness in the following days. As he got close to his final days, he was telling them, some of you will see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. But he was talking about some of these events. And one of the events that he was talking was his transfiguration. Another of these events that he was talking was about was his resurrection. Another of these events that he was talking was his ascension to heaven. And if you remember, after his ascension to heaven, when the disciples were looking up to heaven, some angels appeared, and they were telling the disciples, this Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You see, after his death and his resurrection, after his ascension, then he's talking, the angels are talking about his second coming. But today, this morning, we want to see one of these manifestations, one of these events that the disciples saw about Jesus in his kingdom, in his glory. So if we start in chapter 17, verses 1 to 3, we read this. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold... There appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So the first thing that I want to share with you in these verses is how the manifestation of the glory of Jesus encouraged the heart of his disciples and how the manifestation of the glory of Jesus can encourage as well our hearts. Remember, six days before, Jesus was speaking about his death. I have to go, I have to suffer, and at the third day, I will be raised from the dead. And from this side of history, this may not be that difficult to take in, but this was sad news for his disciples to the point that Peter, as usual, the spokesman for the group, said to Jesus, well, Jesus, God forbid, God forbid this to happen. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. I think that is not a good idea. You remember Peter trying to say, Jesus, no. 
What you are talking about? about uh, what you are talking about? Cross, dying? No, Jesus. It's not necessary. Because for them, these were bad news. And to add a little bit more, Jesus later in the same chapter 16 tells them that not only him is going to be suffering, not only him will be dying on the cross. He told him, if anyone come after me, let him deny themselves and take up his cross and follow me. So one thing is Jesus saying, okay, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and I, and I, will, I will raise up, I will be raised up from the dead. But another thing is Jesus telling them, you as well are going, you as well will suffer like me. So for the disciples, these were bad news. They were confused and they didn't understand what was happening here. And then we start chapter 17. After six days, Jesus takes three of his disciples and Annalise, I will try my best to, to tell you why he took just three of his disciples. To be honest, we don't know why exactly he took three of his disciples. Something that these were the closest to Jesus, who will be in the future the leaders of the church. Others suggest that the emphasis here was in the number of disciples, three disciples, because the law said that two or three witnesses must confirm any testimony. So Jesus, for one of these reasons, took Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain. And although Matthew does not tell us why he takes his disciples to this mountain, the writer of the Gospel of Luke clarifies this. Jesus led them to this place to pray. Now, when they get to the mountain, what do you think the disciples do? What do you think the disciples do? No. When they get to the mountains, they did what they usually did in the prayer meetings, sleep. Yes. Again, Matthew is not telling us this little detail. But Luke says in, verses nine, in chapter 9, verse 32 says, Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. So you see, I keep asking myself why they were sleeping. And, or why did Jesus let them sleep? And the only explanation, the only explanation comes from the context. And the context is chapter 16. His disciples couldn't help but think that Jesus will, would no longer be with them. They cannot bear this idea. 
the disciples were somehow depressed, thinking about the future, about the future without Jesus. The disciples were so discouraged that all they could do was sleep. So they slept. Has the same thing happened to you? When we are overwhelmed by circumstances, sleep is many times our best ally. Sometimes when we are overwhelmed by the difficulties of life, the only thing that we want to do is to sleep and forget about the things that we are experiencing. So this is what is happening in this passage. But the beautiful thing is that they, when they were experiencing, when they were in the lowest point, then Jesus takes them and takes them to the mountain to pray and to witness one of the most extraordinary events in history, on the, in the history of the life of Jesus. The, tell, the text tells us that while they were there, Jesus was transfigured and his face shone like the sun and his garment became as white as light. What, what's, what's going on here? This is what is happening. For a brief moment, for an instant, the disciples were allowed to see Jesus in the fullness of his glory. While the disciples were discouraged and confused, Jesus encouraged them, showing them his glory. Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says that Jesus emptied himself and took a human, a human form. That doesn't mean that Jesus emptied, emptied, emptied of his divinity or his glory. What it means that those things were veiled for us for a moment, for a time. He walked in the world in weakness and humiliation in human flesh. He was like one of us. He was sleepy, he was tired, he was hungry, and he was suffering as well, like one of us. But for a few moments, these disciples were allowed to see Jesus in his glory. His glory was momentarily unveiled it was like a curtain pulled apart. And they were allowed to see things as they really are. Amazing encouragement. Amazing encouragement for the disciples. They were seeing Jesus in his splendor. They were seeing Jesus in his glory. They were finally able to understand what Jesus meant by saying, 
you will be seeing the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This was the moment that Jesus was talking about six days earlier. You will see the Son of God coming in his glory. No shadows, no alterations. They saw the glory, the glory of Jesus. They saw his divine nature shining through his body. The glory which Jesus had with God before the world. This glory shone through his body right on through his clothes. This was a spectacle. This was like, like the most amazing thing that happened to his disciples. Was so big in the mind of his disciples that later the apostle Peter, many years later the apostle Peter, just before his death, Peter was talking, the Lord is telling me that soon I'm going to die. And history, tradition tells us that he was crucified like Jesus, but face down. But Peter, when he was talking about this event in his letter, he said, I'm going to die soon. And in the next verses, in the next verses, he tells as this but you want to know what is helping me right now in this very difficult time of my life when i'm going to die in verse 16 second peters chapter 1 verse 16 to 18 peter says this and i'm reading right now the nlt version and he says this for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, said to Jesus, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy and peter says this we ourselves heard the voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain could you believe it peter in his more difficult time of his life he's remembering that he saw jesus I'm going to die, but I saw Jesus. Do you want encouragement in your life? We need to lift up our eyes and see Jesus in his glory, in his splendor, that he is the only one who is the one who will who die on the cross and make us close with God the Father. We need to see Jesus, that he endure the suffering because of you and because of me. The glory of Jesus comforts our hearts but there is more. 
the disciples saw Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah were prominent, were, have, had prominent roles in the Old Testament. Moses was the lawgiver, and Elijah represent the prophet. But here, the disciples can clearly see that Jesus is superior than these two great men of the Old Testament. Yes, they were there. And as a Jewish, for them, that was amazing. Imagine to see Moses, the great leader, the great man of God who take them out of the land of Egypt. And to see Elijah there, the one who God took him on a chariot to heaven. That in itself is an amazing thing. But Jesus... Jesus was shining in glory. These two men, Moses and Elijah, in the Old Testament, they always pointed to Jesus. Moses told the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy that one more prominent prophet will come and he was telling the people of Israel, I'm going to die, but he's coming a prophet, and you will need to listen to him. He was pointing to Jesus. And Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, prophesied that one in the spirit of Elijah will come and prepare the way for Jesus. So these two men were so that the disciples could see that the Old Testament was indeed fulfilled in the person of Jesus. For the disciples were no doubt anymore about the identity, about the glory, about the divinity of Jesus Christ in that mount. Yes, they were confused. They were depressed, and they were without hope. But after this scene, everything changed. They saw Jesus in his glory. They saw Moses and Elijah attesting that Jesus was the fulfillment of the promised Messiah in the Old Testament. What a beautiful picture. What encouragement. But there is one more thing. Do you remember in chapter 16, Peter saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed, revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Chapter 16, six days later, Six days later, now the Father himself come to this mountain in a bright cloud and says to everybody there in the, in the mountain, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He revealed this to Peter first in Matthew 16, but now he is confirming this 
the same in chapter 17. He was telling Peter, listen to him. John, listen to Jesus. James, listen to Jesus. Obey him. He knows what he is doing. But at the same time, the Father also was encouraging Jesus, reminding him of his glory before he starts his journey to the cross. Some, someone is probably wondering, how do I know that Jesus was thinking about this? How do we know that Jesus was thinking about the cross, about the suffering? You know, you want to know what the conversation between Jesus, Moses, and Elijah was? Do you want to know what was the conversation among them? Sometimes I, watch, I am watching soccer, and, and I, I can hear that the, 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 the players are talking about themselves, and I, I, I wish to be listening close the conversation, what they are talking about. Well, you want to know what Peter, James, and John listen in the conversation among Jesus, Moses, and Elijah? Well, again, Matthew skips this detail, but if we go to Luke 9, verses 30 and 31, we will see the conversation, the full conversation. And we read this, verse 30 and 31. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure with which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. They were talking about his death. They were saying, Jesus, we know that you're going to die. Elijah was saying, yes, I never die, but you are going to die to rescue us. Jesus always had the cross in his mind. He always knew that this was the place to reconcile men with God. I'm telling you, it was not easy even for Jesus. And that is why he continually turned away to pray, to receive a strength from his Father, to receive comfort from the Heavenly Father. And that is what we read then later in Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that says, looking to Jesus, I love the, the verb that he's using there. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What an encouragement. Jesus receiving that mountain. What an encouragement the disciples receive in that mountain. But finally, in the following verses, we see the response of his disciples to the transfiguration. And as usual, Peter talking before thinking, like some of I identify sometimes with him. He says to Jesus, Lord, it is good, in verse 4, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. How kind of Peter, right? How nice of him. But Peter was always thinking in natural terms. He was asking for a comfortable kingdom. His thought was to build a place for Jesus, for Moses and Elijah. In his mind, he thought, oh, come on, Moses and Elijah. Why we need to talk about the cross? With this body, you are, you are going to rock. Let me build something good here, and I will call everybody. When they see you with that shiny body, they will believe that you are the king of glory. Why do we need to talk about suffering? That was in the mind of Peter. But then it's exactly when the father interrupted Peter and said, Peter, this is my beloved son. I love him. I am pleased with him. He is the perfect sacrifice. Listen to him. Obey him. Follow him. And it was with a lot of patience and teaching and demonstration of his glory that in the end the disciples understood why Jesus came and why Jesus needed to die on the cross. And the only one result was that they fell on their faces in terror. That is what happened when we see Jesus. We fall down and we worship him. So that is the result of when we see the glory of Jesus. We worship him. Do you remember Moses in the, in the, in the Mount Sinai? When he saw the burning bush, he was on his knees. Elijah, 
when he was hidden in that cave and he saw the presence of God, he fell on his knees. And now the disciples, when they saw Jesus, they fall on their knees to worship him, to worship God. What a beautiful scene that after this beautiful view, Jesus says in verse 7 and 8, but Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. By then they were not sleeping anymore. They were in the presence of the king. And says the next verse 8. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now Moses is gone, and the judgment of the law with him. The prophecies, Elijah is gone, and the prophecies had been fulfilled in Jesus. And Jesus now stands alone. What do you and I need, my dear brothers and sisters? Is to see Jesus and Him alone. On this side of history, where we can find Jesus? His word. And how you can receive this revelation. He's praying. When you hear the invitation of Jesus calling you to pray, be like the disciples. Go even if you know that you are so tired that you are going to be sleeping. But pray. And through his word, read it. Because there, you and I, we will see Jesus in his splendor and in his glory. And that vision is going to change all the things surrounding us. But, we, but when we don't see him and his glory in the pages of, of, of this book, when we are not in communion with him through prayer, our lives become too attached to the things of this world, too worried, too overwhelmed. But this day, this morning, let's pray that the Lord will open our eyes through this beautiful passage and we will worship him and we will adore him and we will recognize, we will acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God.
Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this beautiful passage. And uh, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will open our eyes to see you in your glory. That we will see you shining like the sun in the splendor and our hearts will bow down to worship and adore you, Lord. Recognizing you as the Lord of lords, King of kings, the one who will come in glory one day and every eye will see you. For now, Lord, open our eyes when we read your scripture. Open our eyes when we come to you in prayer to know you more and to love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's stand up. And we're going to sing this beautiful song that, that we just sang before the splendor of the king glowing majesty let all let all sing and worship him how great how great how great is our god amen <laughs>